Welcome to Equipus Church Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this tag preaching from some of our up-and-coming communicators. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. Hi, how you doing? Good, yeah, you guys can sit down. That would be really awkward if you stood the whole time. Thanks. <laughs> well, all right, so here we are. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Olivia. Hi, how you doing? Good. Um, so I am a daughter, a wife, a mum, a nurse, a friend, but most importantly, I am a daughter of the Most High God, and He has got my back, uh, but I have not always been this secure. Let me take you back to my 13-year-old self. <laughs> Good times. So, okay, no, serious face, serious face. Okay. Uh, so 13 years old, I am two years into five years of abuse one year into seven years of self-harm. My parents had recently divorced. I just moved cities, and I had two friends. Two is pretty good, actually. It's quite hard to make friends when you never smile. Um, (laughs) Serious face. Okay. Um, One of my my friends wrote a poem about me, so this is going to paint a picture for you of of who I was. Um, I don't remember all of the poem, but here's the opening line. In the desk across from me, a girl, she sits and stares. She stares into an empty space as if she isn't there. And I'll tell you what, I wished with all my heart that I wasn't there. I wished that I was dead. To be honest, the one thing that stopped me from committing suicide was that I wasn't sure if people who did that went to heaven or if they went to hell. And the only thing that I could think of that would be worse than life was hell. Um, and a few um, months after that, my friend died. So she was 14, and she had an epileptic seizure in a swimming pool. Uh, and then I wrote a poem, which went like this. Cast away the demons which lurk beneath the shadows of my heart. Drain away the color which seeps between the cracks of its broken parts. Soak the life out of my breath, and grant me my beloved death. Tell me someone hears my cry, either that or let me die. Life was awful. I felt like I was in a huge room of darkness. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see five centimeters in front of my face, and I just wandered around aimlessly. Um, I couldn't see where I was going, and it didn't seem like it mattered anyway. Every day was the same, and I just thought that it was never going to end. I lived with my mom and her new husband and my sisters. Uh, My sisters and I ended up living in a tent for three months, and then a caravan for three years. So that was great relationship building. Me and my sisters are great friends now. Um, I was told that I was worthless, that my family would be better off without me, and I believed it. I had counselors, social workers, psychotherapists, psychologists, and incredible youth leaders in my youth group too. Um, Shout out to all the youth leaders. You guys are amazing. Like, This isn't on my script, but, you know, that's okay. I just think that youth leaders have amazing opportunities to speak things into people's lives. And, like, you may, like, yeah, okay, you can't turn everything around, like, in one sentence uh, because some of that stuff goes pretty deep. But just the seeds that you guys sow, so thank you. Um, Pray for our youth leaders. They need lots of prayer and, yeah, just awesome opportunity that they have in there. Um, So, despite having access to all the help in the world, I couldn't see a way out. I believed that I was worthless, unwanted, insignificant, a waste of everyone's time, and pretty pathetic. When I was 17, I had a boyfriend. Uh, He made me feel special. He bought me an engagement ring. 
uh, and I said, please don't propose to me just until I've sorted my life out. I knew that something had to change and that I couldn't live like that forever and that wasn't the wife or the mother or just the adult in general that I wanted to be. Um, I'd heard about a program in Auckland called A Girl Called Hope and I decided to apply to go there. A Girl Called Hope, for those of you who don't know, is a residential program for young women who are facing life-controlling issues um, with daily classes based around just like redefining who you are and learning who God says that you are. Um, and so I was accepted there and I walked in the doors there when I was 19. Um, a Girl Called Hope was truly amazing. It just gave me like space to breathe, the time and space to stop and listen to God, to pay attention to him and to soak up what he said about me rather than basing my belief um, on what other people said about me. After being there for a couple of months, I flew home to attend my mum's wedding to another husband. Um, and he's really great. I really like him. So hi, Shane, if you're listening. <laughs> Love you. Um, so when I was down here for that wedding, um, I also obviously met up with my old boyfriend at the time, um, who by then I'd been with for three years, and he told me that he'd been cheating on me while I was away. And I was absolutely heartbroken because I thought that we were going to get married and that he was just going to wait for me to come back and that, you know, life was going to be amazing. Life is amazing. Turns out that God always knows best. Um, and so, yeah, so he told me that he'd been cheating on me and I was heartbroken. My default thoughts started coming out of my mouth. I sat there and I said things like, of course you have. Why would I ever bother hoping for anything better for myself? This is all I deserve. My life will never get better than this. I'll always be worthless. But then something incredible happened. The, the things that I'd been learning while I was up in Auckland um, obviously had been taking root in my heart and this new voice started coming out of my mouth with new words and new dreams. And I said to him, like I just kind of stopped what I was saying and I said, actually, you don't get to determine my worth. You don't get to decide what my value is. Only God can decide that. And he made his mind up long before I met you. Um, and we broke up and from that day, I've never been the same. Um, don't get me wrong, it hasn't always been easy, it's not always easy. Um, I think that our thought life is kind of like this dirt road, and every time that you think the same thought, you kind of clear this path, and you walk over your footprints again and again, and the path gets really clear, and you think that that's the only path, and that your thoughts are right, and your feelings are right, and that there's no other way. Um, but then if you want to like change your thought direction, you've got to kind of hop off that path that is really ingrained and entrenched in your brain and try and like make this new path and so it's quite hard to think something that doesn't come naturally but the more times that you think it and the more times that you say it the more formed the new path becomes um, and so like when you've walked a track that is like so bad but so many times it's so easy to just jump back on that um, track and so you know it's not always easy and sometimes I do think stupid things um, but I know how to like catch myself and make a choice to get back off that path and onto the new one. Um, so I went back to Auckland, I completed the program and then I moved home to Dunedin. Um, when I was in high school I didn't really go to class a lot, I spent most of my school hours sitting by myself in the school counsellor's uh, waiting room, he just let me hang out there because I was a mess. <laughs> um, somehow, despite not being in class, because God is good, I scraped through level three in CEA. You need 60 credits to pass that one if you've got level two. 
and I got 60 credits, so that is a pass. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and I like, I don't even know how that happened, eh? Like, God is just crazy. But looking back, like, he knew where we were going um, and that I needed that because it just worked out that when I came back from Auckland, I was able to get straight into my nursing degree, um, which I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't uh, did what I did at school. Uh, so I did my nursing degree, um, got married to, you might have seen Ben on the drums tonight, he's gone, he's here, he's my husband, he is fantastic, um, believes in me, encourages me, loves me, even though I'm a little bit crazy, uh, and we have two, nearly three beautiful children together, life is good. Um, I've been attending Equippers Dunedin since the day that I came home from Auckland 12 years ago. Um, and I am just so thankful that in everything that I've been through, uh, that God has been weaving something incredible. He never left me, um, and I know, even though it was really hard, that even in my darkest times, they would have been a whole lot darker without him. So, if you can't remember anything that I've said tonight, uh, here are two things for you. Regardless of what you've done or what you think about yourself, you are so loved and so valuable to God. He sees you and all your mess, and his heart honestly breaks for you. Let him love you, let him walk beside you, and together you can overcome anything. My um, second thing is just some cool song lyrics that I like uh, from a song called Hindsight. Um, and just a little piece of it goes like this. My God isn't finished yet. If he did it before, he can do it again. So I'll trust him with what comes next. For the God I know is known for his faithfulness. Let's pray. Mighty God, thank you for never leaving us and for never giving up on us. Please help us to think your thoughts and to see what you see so that we can shine your light in all situations and bring hope and life everywhere that we go. Amen. All righty. Thanks, everyone. Well, that is me. Um, so now I'm just going to welcome up a great friend of mine, Ryan. Come on up. Let's give him a nice warm welcome. Thank you. Sorry about the Glare team on the top. Yeah, they need to turn the lights down more than welcome. Um, I've been uh, lucky enough to be uh, part of this church for 15 Coming up 16 years. I know I look young, but yes, I, I have been here for a wee while. Uh, so I've got the privilege tonight to uh, share my testimony, um, how I got planted here, and how I uh, just come to love God and serve God and, and uh, go through some uh, rough stuff. And you, you, as, as a Christian, you know, life isn't always easy, but when we've got God backing us and God beside us, we can keep moving forward. So I uh, grew up in a rugby-mad family. I had a, a cousin that was an all-black, and all I dreamt about as a kid was being an all-black. School, uh, I wasn't that good at uh, schoolwork. I liked to go to school to eat my lunch, and I did that very well. <laughs> but rugby was all I dreamt about. That's all I ever wanted to do was, was become an all-black. So went through school, did Played all right, did some, made some Otago teams and some junior stuff and, and did okay, but wasn't quite getting there. So my dad in my, um, sorry about my age, my seventh form year, said, I'm not paying for you to eat your lunch anymore, you're going to get a job. 
So I uh, ventured out into the big wide world and uh, went to my local rugby club as a, as, a, as a young fella and was straight away in the, in the senior side. So as a, as a young 16, 17-year-old uh, playing senior rugby, it was a, a, a daunting task. You had to, to grow up very, very quickly. So I made the decision that as soon as I crossed that line, I had to be the hardest, the biggest, the strongest person, um, the not-so-nicest person I, I could be, just to fit in. But I also made a choice off the field to do the same. So I wanted to be one of those big boys. So I played as hard as I could, and I drank as hard as I could. I did enough uh, to, to make some more target teams and, and, and make a few teams. Uh, made the Colts two years in a row, but a week before we go to tournament, I blew my left knee out twice. Same ground. I reckon it was the same pothole that got me. So uh, all of my... Um, rugby aspirations were still, I was doing just enough to get by, but they were sort of all crumbling around, and, and I didn't know uh, what was going on, and I was still just trying to be this big, um, on the outside, this bigger person than, than what I was. And uh, one night, uh, we were, we'd had a, a game in town, and we'd had a few beers at our flat, and we're in town, and I... Um, there was a, a, a friend, um, this guy um, used to knock around a, her a little bit and I saw them walking in front of me and it was just like a, a red rag to a bull. I just ran up to him and we got into a bit of a fight. I threw him through some wooden doors at the art gallery. Um, the police came, the alarms went off, the police came. The policeman that arrested me was a friend of mine, so I got in one side of the tech, uh, the police car and he let me out the other side of the police car. <laughs> My other friends were there and they grabbed me and put me into a taxi and I said to them, I'm in the two guys either side of me and I said to them, I'm not ready to go home. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not ready. Got out of the taxi and I heard this voice say, you've had your fun, now it's my turn. And I'm going, okay, I've had a little bit too much to drink here tonight. <laughs> and then I heard, maybe 10, 15 steps, I heard that voice again. You've had your fun, now it's my turn. I went to this uh, bar that I never go to and started talking to this uh, young lady. And we got chatting to early hours of the morning. And she started to tell me about church. And I said, oh, tell me more. I, I, I want to know more about church. And she actually tried to talk me out of church. She tried to, tried to say that church wasn't for me and, and all this other stuff. We ended up chatting. Uh, I, we, I ended up going out uh, to her house for dinner on that Tuesday night. Uh, it was Amy down the back there. <laughs> so that, the following Sunday, I... Um, uh, was coming to church uh, for the first time and after talking through with Amy and that. And I thought church was about prim and proper, shirt and tie, kind of like rugby, I suppose. So I woke my mother up at 7 o'clock in the morning to iron my shirt, iron my dress trousers, get all ready. You know, that went down very, very well. But when I walked through the doors, I just felt this weight come off. I felt like I was home. And it was just... It was just a dip, different atmosphere. Uh, 
that's on that um, Monday night, the, the church flooded, and underneath here was just uh, pools and pools of water. So for four hours, um, myself and the youth pastor, I don't know if some of you may remember him, James Roy, we were underneath this stage mopping up buckets of water on our hands and knees, feeding them out. And it was just like, um, it was just a huge uh, blessing to, to serve the church. Um, just, just being down here serving and, and just doing something and, and seeing a, a different voice. Uh, 13 days after that initial Saturday night, I um, asked Amy to, to marry me. Luckily, she said yes. <laughs> we have five uh, beautiful kids. Uh, one's off to uni next year at high school and things. It's, yeah, it's been an, an awesome uh, 15 years here serving this church. But when I first got here, um, I actually hate public speaking. This is, this is very much out of my comfort zone. So I said to God, I'm happy vacuuming the church, cleaning the windows, making a coffee, but please don't ever get me to speak, God. I absolutely hate it. And we all know that God's got a humor, so he's like, ha-ha, whatever. But he used um, a gift that, um, that I didn't even know that I had. I, I love rugby, and I love my church. So he married those two together for me. So when I became a Christian, I was still learning uh, Christian values and bits and pieces, and I was still playing rugby. So I really struggled with playing a game on a Saturday and trying to rip someone's head off and then coming to church on Sunday to be nice. Now, I, I battled it. Um, I prayed about it, didn't know what to do. I would sneak away before a game to pray to God, um, but I'd sneak away to the, the ladies' toilets to pray because I knew I wouldn't get seen in there. Um, I, just, I just didn't know what to do. And then uh, I started to meet um, other Christians and other teams, and we, we started a, a, a Bible study together. At the time, there was only four of us from different churches around town. And then I retired. Um, still coming to church and, and loving life, but just felt something. Um, and I prayed to God, I didn't know what to do. So uh, myself and James, there was a few uh, rugby boys starting to come to church here that we'd, we'd met and sort of got them hooked into church. So we actually started this uh, Bible study on a Wednesday night, and it just started to grow and grow. There was more rugby players coming from different clubs and different churches, and it, and, it, and it grew quite quickly. And I was lucky enough that some of the super rugby players and Otago players at the time were, were coming to the study, and I knew the coach at the Highlanders, and, and we caught up for a coffee. And I said, hey, we're doing this thing with a few of the players. What are your thoughts? And he just opened up doors. that, that or He opened them up, but I knew that it was God. So I've been very privileged and, and lucky enough to be the Highlanders' uh, chaplain for the last 14 years. And in that time, we've had players come through that are All Blacks, Samoan Internationals, Fijian Internationals, that have all sat here in these seats. And I look back at it now and, and go, God, you've taken a, a shy, quiet boy that just wanted to sit down the back of the church serve the church, but not speak. And he's put me into situations where I can't comprehend. Do doors have opened up in, in the super rugby circle and with the All Blacks 
that, that is not me. There's no, I didn't even finish, uh, I didn't get school cert or NCA, whatever it is. Um, I've got a, a sales rep job that, that I could only dream about. And it's just God opening up door after door after door. And that's what I wanted to, to get my point across to you guys tonight is, there's, um, don't look at roadblocks or limitations or obstacles that other people put in your way. There's roughly 80-odd people in this room tonight. You've all got a ministry that God's given you. You've all got a talent that God's given you. Just have faith. Take a risk and ask God what you to do with it. Just, just, and, it and it is scary. Trust me, it is scary going into an environment that you're thinking, oh, wow, I shouldn't be here. I've been in a room full of all blacks praying before a test match, and I'm going, wow, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't have a degree. I'm not a pastor. You know, and, and all that self-doubt starts slamming you. But take a risk. Have, a, have faith in the gift that he's given you. It may cost. It may hurt. Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. But if you step out in your ministry, just see what happens. Just take that risk. So I want to end tonight with um, your, your testimony counts. We've, we've all got different testimonies, and your testimony is powerful. You're the only one that's got it, so you need to use it. Because when you use your testimony and share it to other people, it unlocks doors. It lets people use their, their story as well. So don't be scared of it. Don't hold it in. Share your testimony with people. Thank you. Awesome. How good, eh? You guys are so quiet. How good, eh? Yeah, good. Yeah, great. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm inspired. Thank It's all right. I'll just hold on to it for a few more minutes, Sam. Sorry. Whoopsie. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm really, I'm really encouraged and inspired by um, both, both Ryan and Liv. And I just, I guess I'm just going to talk for like five minutes and then you can all have an ice cream and have a great time. But um, <laughs> you're having a great time already though, aren't you? Um, I love how Ryan finished talking about risk. So um, we started a series in church two weeks ago labelled Risk, hence the pretty picture on the screen. Um, and I want to say, A, first of all, I want to commend Liv and Ryan on their bravery getting up here to share their testimony. Um, but I want to say, like, it does take courage. And I want to echo what Ryan said, that everybody's got a testimony. If you're in this room, you have a testimony. And I guess what I want to encourage us, the Bible says in Matthew, um, verse 5, verse 16, um, Basically, it's talking about a lamp on a hill that shouldn't be hidden, can't be hidden. And it says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And I guess if I want to land on anything, share anything, I want to challenge us all, let's take a risk in sharing our testimony. The thing I love, the thing I love about testimonies is nobody can argue like no one can argue, no one can argue that God encountered Liv's life and radically transformed it. Not like she's evident. No one can, oh, no, he didn't. Nobody did. No one can argue that, that God met Ryan 
and transformed his life. Like, what, what are you going to do? Come back? Oh, no, that's not true. Really? I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony of the power and the grace of God. And so I want to challenge us, land us, and let's be, let's be risky in sharing our testimony. You know, God's done something. He saved you for a purpose. He's called you for a purpose. And it's scary. Like, it's, it is scary, a little bit scary sharing your testimony. You know, I had a lady at school the other day ask me, how come you go to church? I was like, why do I go to church? Um, I go to church because I love it. But then I'm like, I go to church because I love Jesus. Oh, why do you love Jesus? I was like, I was not prepared for this conversation just to pick up and dash. But I love Jesus because He saved me. He set me free like I was X, Y, Z. And suddenly you start sharing this testimony of what God has done in your life. And it's like Ryan said, it's powerful. It opens doors. And sometimes people are kind of like, oh yeah, okay. And then they just walk off. Probably, you know, I like to say seeds have been sown. But sometimes it just gets people asking more questions, more questions, more questions. And I also want to say something that if you've not had, sometimes when people who've known Christ their whole life, I've sometimes heard them say, oh, I don't really have a testimony. Like I've been in church my whole life. I was like, that is your testimony. God has saved you from having to walk through stuff that maybe other people have. So everybody's got a testimony. And I want to encourage us and inspire and urge us all to start sharing it because there's a world outside these doors that needs the reality of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you and challenge you tonight, man, this week, who could you have a cup of tea with? Who could you just be like, hey, man, can I tell you my story? So, you know, can I, can I let you know, like, once upon a time, this was me, you know, and just take an opportunity to share your testimony. A, a, a testimony is powerful, and I want to encourage you to pick it up and to share it and to testify and take a risk because it's worth it. You never know who's on the other end of you sharing your testimony. You never know what breakthrough or other individuals like, oh, my gosh, I can relate to that. So all of you have a testimony and would you let it shine before others so that God can have all of the glory and He can have all of the praise and we can see people come to know God as you've taken a risk and you've been brave and you've shared your testimony. Got it? You excited? Terrified? Yeah, okay, cool, great. It's good to be scared. (laughs) You know, I love that. You don't have to do it on your own. Often you're fine if you're having a cup of tea. And what I want is let's not miss an opportunity. Rewind. Let's not miss an opportunity. People will say to you, oh, man, what did you do on the weekend? I went to church. You should come along. Oh, why do you go to church? Oh, let me tell you all about it. Maybe you were lost or maybe you start sharing your testimony. And before you know it, you've shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone who didn't know before. So this week, I want to challenge us. Let's try it. Share it with like your mom first if you need to, you know, if you've never done it before. I mean, when I first had to share my testimony, I uh, shared it with myself in the mirror. I thought that was funny. You don't? Okay, great. Yep, yep. Tough crowd. No problem. You know, but, you know, so share it. Share your testimony. Get comfortable with it. You know, share what God has done for you. You can be proud of what God has done. You can share it. Be excited to let other people know. Take a risk. Let's be people who are risky in sharing what God has done for us. Yeah, cool? Great. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipments Church, The Need. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipmentschurch.com. 